Content warning, there may be some content amidst all the fucks, shits, and dams. Hi, welcome to another week of Stay A While and Listen. This week, I'll be joining Candice, because we're mostly going to be talking about what art does for our hobbies, be it... uh, the collectible card games, the video games, the RPGs, you know. Not to mention just the simple thing that what's the first thing you see when you're at the game store or even just like, you know, the line at Walmart or Target or something. What do you see out of your corner of your eye that makes you go, ooh. Bob. <laughs> Yes, but the Beholder is generally painted on, like, a book or something. Yes, they make 3D pops of him, but it's it's artwork. That's what catches your eye, is the picture of something. You know, we have two buildings in this town that are shaped like castles. Yeah, yeah, we do. The last time the one that used to be the Hot Dog Castle when I was growing up came up for sale. Okay. Knowing that it's zoned for a restaurant, I always wanted to buy it and turn it into a game shop. That'd be amazing. And because it's Got already set up, set up for the licensing and the plumbing is probably set up for it, it would be really easy to put just, just a fountain machine and a hot dog roller or something. You know? You'd be rolling in dough. But it's shaped like a fucking castle. Name that and then get one of those giant 3D beholder printouts, you know, right above the door or something. Big old yep. Minotaur skull. Ugh. So if anybody has a million dollars they want me to open up a game shop and don't expect me to make a profit on for at least 10 years because Abilene hates the new local business. <laughs> no, 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 no. Get it right. When it's new, it's the shiniest, you know, it has the new car smell. Everyone wants to go and see what it is for the first two months. After that, you know, get good scrub. Yeah, very much true. But now I'm pretty sure there actually is statistic out there that a business will be in the red for the first five years at mm-hmm. least before you break. Yes. So, yay, economics. <laughs> So, we're That's talking cool. about artwork. visual appeal. We're talking about box art. What draws you in? What keeps you in? What actually is it about a game that sometimes will actually even push you away because you just go, I can't deal with it? You know, there was a game on the regular N- Nintendo, like the old Famcom. Yeah, the NES. All right. It's called Hide Lied. H-Y-D-E-L-I-D-E or L-Y-D-E. I've heard of this. It was a shit game. (laughs) The little sprite knight could attack, but the attack never hurt the monsters out there and never got the damn thing to work as a functioning game. Even (laughs) an adult going back and trying an emulator of it. Okay? It was never a functioning game. But the cover on the cart was this big green dragon 
wings out behind it, blowing fire on the night with his sword reared back and his shield blocking the breath of fire. Oh yeah, that classic 1980s fantasy and, high art. Uh, I, I wanted to like that game so bad. I wanted it to work. It was so much, hey, I need this. <laughs> so this is the sort of thing that we're going to be talking about today that can frustrate the fuck out of you or just pull you in so much that you are now going to buy every version of the game. Uh, we can start uh, let, let's actually start back in the 80s. Like, let's start in the 80s, because... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Google is a thing. Google is a thing, and that is that is great. That really does remind me of a good bit of, like, the D&D old 1980s. Yeah, it like, looks like it's AD&D's. straight off of, a, yes. off of a module. Yes, it does. It's Where absolutely fantastic. You're, you're looking at a knight with a shiny silver breastplate and a little round shield blocking the dragon's fire. He's got the leather skirt Which is on. a buckler. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'd call it a small I, wooden, a small nice. steel shield. What it, shape it, is it? It's operating the hand, so I don't know okay. that... Okay, yeah. No, it's still round. For a second there, I thought it was closer to a kite shield. No, it's a round shield. So okay. I, I, I don't think I'd call it a buckler. It is bigger than a buckler, you're right. Uh, small steel shield, plus two AC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, 1980s, the first thing that I think of, like, that has a great art progression, and, you know, it's also very near and dear to my heart, Mega Man. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> because if you go back that and you first start box looking, was so fugly. Oh my god, it was horrible. <laughs> Did you see the Mega Man Ten? It looks like a really bad sci-fi movie, like VHS cover. But did you see the one they did for Mega Man 10 that was in the old fashion? Oh, no, I haven't. Oh, God, I need to Google this now. This is going to happen. Everyone, you need to Google along with us. this That's the theme of today is Google along with us. <laughs> okay, so Mega Man 10. Oh, wow. So ugly. So terrible. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that is so terrible. So perfect. Oh, that is some epicness of wow. He even has an M on the middle of his chest, like a Superman emblem in some of them. Yeah. Oh, oh, what'd you do do to my poor baby? No. No. What was it? Uh, Mega Man Four. I'm thinking of, which actually had the had the, had the f- one of the first of the actual like illustrative styles. Like I want to say that Mega Man, Mega Man Three actually had the first cartoony. Yeah, Mega Man Three was the actual first cartoon version. Yeah. Whereas Mega Man One and Two had that weird. Wanted to look like a superhero vibe. It wanted to look like it was Total Recall with Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) It kind of did. But they tried to make Mega Man like a man-man. 
Yeah. Mega Man 4 is the one that I'm thinking of. It's just so perfect. It was the beginning of the good. Yeah. I'm, I'm still a fan of Mega Man 3. It, the only thing about, like, 3 and 4 is those early arts is he really has those chubby cheeks. Oh, yeah. He got them chubby cheeks. Like, he he's, has... He's, he's chipmunking there. He has not yet evolved into the anime version of Mega Man that a lot of us are familiar from growing up. If you, uh, watch the short-run cartoon series. He, he's just trying to... a different challenge, because, you know, back then we didn't really have hard modes or timed runs per se. We had friends that, I bet I can beat this faster than you, or I bet I can get a higher score than you. <laughs> well, the Mega Man on the box art is just trying to beat it while playing Chubby Bunny. <laughs> Why'd you do that while I was drinking water? <laughs> You evil, evil man. Because I'm trying to make <laughs> you laugh because we're trying to entertain people. <laughs> well, I don't think it would be very entertaining if in the middle of the yeah, start of the podcast, everything just goes crackle, crackle, fizz. <laughs> and it just goes, boo. I don't know. They liked our April 1st episode. <laughs> um, or at least I assume they did because we had plenty of downloads that day. <laughs> Which we appreciate. Thank you very much. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah. Mega Man's definitely got better bar uh, artwork as the went on. Yes, agreed. I enjoyed the first couple games of the X series box art as well, but I think it was right around the time the art inside the game started to turn ugly. It's about the same time the box art started to turn ugly. So X four. Hmm. Doing this. See, I never played X four. I played up to X, and we no longer at my house had the system because I basically was playing at a friend's house. So I was spared that. Yeah. No. Like I remember that just the original yeah. Mega Man X. Very nice. It really gives you that classic Mega Man look. Uh, personally, where I thought that Mega Man started getting fugly and just weird is when they started to verge into... Uh, it was the handheld Game Boy Advanced versions where you had... Wasn't it just called Mega Man Advanced or something? Or... Where he just... Mega Man Adventure or whatever, that 3D bullshit. To where Mega Man, all of a sudden, instead of fighting, fighting uh, you know, the Dr. Wily's robots, he was fighting viruses and oh, coding um, shit. Shit, that was Mega yeah. Man Advance. Yeah, it just... Battle Network. That's it. Thank you, Battle Network. I enjoyed just, those. Ah, uh, no, no. They broke... <laughs> They weren't Mega Man. They weren't bad games. It it seemed like this strange crossover between like Mega Man, Digimon, and Pokemon because Mega Man now had like the weird buddy system going on, and they were Mega uh, Man and like a po like a Digimon kind of feel. Yeah, that's and the games themselves. Had a see, uh, collectible card game aspects to them. Ugh. They were perfect crack for me if only I had a Game Boy Advanced. 
I went back and played them in the year 2008 (laughs) (laughs) Uh, on the PSP when I was emulating stuff. And they were great games specifically because they scratched a whole bunch of my itches. Okay, that is completely fair. But I personally think that a lot of, like, my love and discovery of anime in my, you know, tweeny years and teenage years were probably fed early on by video games. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's just me. Growing up in the 80s, you know, you have a lot of that superhero you know, whatnot from the 90s with, like, bits and pieces of anime here and there with that. I don't know that necessarily as kids, we knew it as labeled anime. Yeah, so, you're talking the you things know, like the was, Thundercats and Voltron and then even worse, yeah. like the Exo Squad that wasn't anime, but it was made in Korean animation studios. Korean animation has always... It's... Pirates of Dark Water. This this stuff... (laughs) It's not... It's not bad. It's It's not bad. It's not necessarily good, but it's not (laughs) bad. It's just kind of (sighs) there. Oh. Oh, but uh, other great evolutions. Um, See, from... Because we said we were starting in the 80s. You know, you have your AD&D art. You ever just go to up to your game store, you know, local game store, and go to the used book section. I guarantee you, most of them, it's going to be in a corner. It's They're at least going to have a little half of a shelf mm-hmm. that's going to be littered with AD&D modules. And covered with dust. You know, be careful if you have to go through a door with beads. Oh, yeah. Definitely <laughs> be careful about that. <laughs> But, you know, pull some of those suckers out, and if you are a player of D&D or any sort of role-playing, see where that art came from. See where the whole idea of including art in the books came from. Because monster manuals, I love me some old-school monster manuals. Love them. Because they are so ridiculous. Oh, man. On my shelf over here in this same room we're in, we have Shadowrun 1st Edition, 2nd Edition, 3rd Edition, 4th Edition, then 5th Edition and 6th Edition are all digital on my iPad. Yeah. But remember when I 1st Edition book came in and I showed you the, the creature art in uh-huh. there, the, the Quetzalcoatl and the Harpy from 1st Edition and how they were just so... And we are talking 1st Edition Shadowrun. 1st Edition Shadowrun, so like 86... Uh, something like that. Something like that? Yeah. Crazy. And then, like, I think it's third edition had the uh, Techno Shaman. Mm-hmm. It's a guy, and at first glance, it looks like just a, a dude in Native American garb. I'm talking the full feathered headdress, the big, okay. like, the beaded uh, style yeah. chest plate thing. Uh-huh. Until you start taking a closer look at it. And they're all computer circuitry and wire things, and so very, like, early 90s, late 80s cyberpunk. It's just ridiculous. And that's one of the great things that I find about looking at the art in these books, in these, anything that's in these board games, card games, 
you can look at them and you can go tell damn near exactly when they came from. Yeah. Because you, you always know the earlier art, I swear, because it has a little bit more of that... Nah, that, 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 that human touch, almost. Like, it feels like the kid that's just got out of high school was told by his friends, Oh my god, you're so great. Can you draw my dog? Can you draw my something? Can you draw my girlfriend? They're always like, No! They're the you know, you know the people that you used to bug to draw your dog. You, we all know that one kid in high school. Because that was me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, can you draw? No. Well, why not? Are you going to pay me for it? I thought we were friends. We are. Mama still got bills to pay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, these are the kids coming out of high school. And you go through their notebooks and you see, like, these semi-full-shaded artworks that were done in math class because they were that bored, or science class, you know, fill in your subject of choice. Uh, my favorite is when you go through and you're flipping through and you can see the one that was obviously done in math class where they had plenty of time to draw it, and it looks great. I mean, this thing could almost be Jim Lee art, except the foreshortening on one of the Wolverine claws is a little off. And one of his arms looks like he hasn't eaten for six months. <laughs> but most of the body is damn good. Because he's been reading comic books since he was five. <laughs> okay. And then on the second half of that sheet of paper, where they were going to finish it off and draw the second character, but they obviously had to pay just a little more attention to the classwork. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit more. So it's not shaded very well. And it's got really chunky cross-hatching for just to try and show where some dark spots should be. Yeah. And the lines aren't quite straight. <laughs> now it's got that stagger to, the, stagger to the line art. Because they got past a note in the middle of class and started cracking up. <laughs> yeah, you know, the guy, the guy behind oh, yeah. him started kicking his chair, so you got this one chunky line on the legs. Yeah, it didn't... Ah, yes. That's that's what the the old monster manuals look like. (laughs) Yeah, they do. (laughs) It's like, oh my god, look at this dragon. It's so great. What's wrong with the knight? (laughs) Why has he got a leg for an arm? (laughs) Knight. Oh, yes. (laughs) like one of the monsters from the original AD&D that I look at every time and I'm amazed at how its silhouette has actually stayed the same throughout the years given its renderings have been far improved but the base model of it you still look at it and go (laughs) that janky ass thing this is the bullet yes (laughs) rust monsters Yes. Rust monsters used to look ridiculous. And I mean, they're still, but they've gotten yes, they so are, much better. They're more well, rust golems now when you look at them, especially if you get one of the minis. Like the mm-hmm. minis. Okay. Pre-paint minis. I ain't gonna, uh, you, I can get plenty of hate on this. Don't really care. Not a fan of pre, pre-paint minis. But they serve a very valid purpose. I know a lot of people love to collect. 
my comment on minis in general. What are you using them for? Because if I have a, if I'm going to play in a campaign for a year, mm-hmm. ah, that deserves a hand painted bottle of my mini. Sure. If I'm DMing this game. And these monsters are going to hit the table for five minutes, and then they're not coming back. Mm-hmm. It'd be great to have in my collection, but no, pre-paints is great for that, because the fire and forget enemies. Yeah. Well, the other thing about, like, hits the field for five seconds and then it's, it's gone. How many enemies do you see in a given campaign, unless it's highly themed? Like, you know, we're going to go Going to the Underdark, now I need all my drow. But otherwise... And drow spiders and, you know, things like that. But that's a heavily themed, you know... That's a heavily themed adventure. You know, it's generally good to have a selection of skeletons, kobolds... You know, or rat people, depending. I, I uh, like kobolds and un- goblins. Undead and vampires. Kobolds and goblins and uh, skeletons and orcs and zombies and spiders. Because I can make a, I can make those used yeah. for the first five levels of a game almost any time. And the other thing is, if you have... Like, only a couple of things that are on those little fly fly peg things. Mm-hmm. If you only have three bat swarms, you're like, but I don't want a bat swarm in this game. I want a ghast. Then you're going to put the thing on the fly post on the table and tell your players, that's it's a, a ghast. My Ta-da! favorite thing of all time has like, to have, have been... Have some humanoids. Always have some humanoid shapes. But that's just... My favorite hack in life had to have been the moment that I realized I can print on cardstock and I've got a one-inch punch and a two-inch punch. Nice. And you take the one-inch punch... Tokens. Hey, there's whatever the fuck I want it to be like because I print it out on cardstock and tape it to another layer on the bottom. Oh, you're you're golden. That's always a nice hack. But miniatures, you know, ah. we all know that one person that has far too many miniatures. Stop judging me. (laughs) Excuse me, sir. Do you have an entire wire shelf full of Let's see, we have one, two, three, four full things of wargaming miniatures in uh, Battle Foam, along with a laundry basket underneath that has boxes of more miniatures. And one, two, that's a half of a big battle box from GW. I think I have a thousand um, hero clicks just because I like to run superhero games. I have well over a thousand miniatures for uh, tabletop wargaming, not to mention the unbuilt stuff. And I'm lucky if I can say half of it is painted. Most of it is primed. 
you all just you just spaces. took a mini vacation and you're in lockdown. What's your excuse? I still have work. Get to painting. You just took a mini vacation. That's what I was talking about. Just took some extra days off work. Why yeah. didn't you paint? Because I was drawing. Okay, fine. And I was making dinner and cleaning house. Okay, fine. We'll let it slip this time. But next time, I expect a miniature to get painted. Okay, fine. Next time, you'll get some of the pulled pork. <laughs> Jeez. Pull my, you know, just twist my arm off, why don't you? You gotta try, you know. Shit. Jeez. You know, Ew. speaking of over the years, though, definitely the 3.0, 3.5 D&D books were very pretty to me. Yes. I think right along that generation. Where they had those faux covers. Oh, that was good stuff. Like right around that generation, I think, for a lot of games, we started to get out of that kind of high schooler, still kind of drawing my own art, still trying to figure things out into a lot more of the, I'm going to hire me some professional artists because I I got a name behind my game. I've got like some extra cash in my pocket. I can really shiny this up. And Lord knows if there aren't actual nerds out there who do just go out and buy the books because they like to buy monster manuals can look at things for ima- for inspiration for imaginary creatures that they like to draw as I raise my hand. <laughs> you know, we're, we're not all stat monkeys and we we get our inspiration from different things, and art is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. Hell, talking about miniatures back to just keep seesawing this conversation, I have fielded against gamers twice my Colossal Red Dragon. But I have the Colossal Red Dragon because I had to. Yeah. I had to. It's such an inspiration, you know? Oh, yeah, like... I don't know what they're called. It's from Ikea, so I'm not going to even try and pronounce what the name of it is. Far From Tootin. What? Far From Tootin. No. Okay. I think that's just you after eating beans. So Ikea something or other. Yeah. So there is a thing from Ikea. I'm not going to even try and pronounce it. Just because uh, Ikea names. Am I right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It's whatever that glass case is that's got like four or five tiers on it. That's just all glass. The display case? Yes. There's a special name for it. It, Like, there's an Ikea name for it. But Ikea has a very nice one, and it's a display case, and it's all glass. And one day, I will have probably like three of them just with all of the things that I've painted. And I'm still... I have a um, great unclean one. Mm-hmm. The specifically built as Rodigus. Go ahead, anyone. I'll give you a minute to Google that. It's Rodigus. <laughs> I have one that is sitting right now, gray plastic. But I have like the primer for it, the paints for it, and I'm debating after I paint it. If I'm going to take it to eBay to sell, or if I'm just going to put that sucker on a pedestal and display it and go, 
always my shiny, goopy baby with a with a stomach mouth. He's so ugly. He's amazing. Like I, I understand. It, are you familiar with the way that, uh, like, Nurgle and the Death Guard look? Mm-hmm. I love those models. And, and it's weird, because I was actually talking with someone who uh, played a lot more 40k, and their first comment was, why do girls always like uh, Nurgle and Death Guard? Why is it always Death Guard? Tentacle porn. <laughs> See, I was going to say it's because we like green. Greens and blues more often, but... (laughs) (laughs) Not even everyone swings that way. (laughs) Oh, God, why are you like this? (laughs) Because it made you laugh for a solid... Four seconds. That's that's quality audio right there. Oh, yeah, no, but you know if Matt were here right now, he'd just be like all face up inside the microphone just making slurp noises. Oh, we miss you, Matt, but oh, I, I don't need to have an asthmatic attack for a person that's not an asthmatic type. <laughs> Good news on that front for those people that really love his sense of humor. Uh, we should have him back within a couple of weeks. Yes, we should. He has ordered himself some equipment so that he can join us remotely and just chime in with his usual flavor of whatever the fuck that flavor is. Like, it's we'll beyond- say surrealism. I was going to say, like, I don't even know that he qualifies as that mystery flavor in the dum-dums or the uh, airheads. Uh, The airheads one, where you're changing from one thing to another type, and they just call it a mystery flavor? Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's where where it is. That's (laughs) that's actually quite accurate. Ah, We do love you, Matt. You do such a good job of blowing lots of random smoke. (laughs) Yes. All the smoke. And and we missed the crackhead steamboat engine, uh, Captain. But, um... He also said that his work is supposed to be uh, easing up on standards to where he has to just match the city kind of thing. Oh, okay. So he might actually be here in the flesh. Oh. Should we be afraid? Um... If he's in the flesh, like, he still needs to wear pants. We're aware of this, right? The ocean on its skin. No, but we we should be seeing each other again real soon, one way or the other, digitally or uh, or locally. So we'll have our off the wall comedian that we've all missed so much. Oh, we really do. But um, you know, other artwork that I've. I can't say that I know all too much about the evolution of 40k. I've seen some of the older models. Like, uh, have you ever seen the old beaky models? I'm pretty sure they called them beaky. Yeah. Yeah, they're, those are an interesting mesh of mosh. I don't, I don't know a ton about Warhammer 40k. I mean, they were, they were metal. You can probably, like, shove I, I know that forehead. <laughs> while they weren't 
always my favorite race to to play or anything. Yeah. They were my favorite to look at. And that was the orcs that would just strap guns on guns on top of guns, like duct tape guns together kind of thing. So, orcs. Yeah. Those those orc models just always amused the hell out of me. When you'd see the ones yes. that were literally like two, uh, two space marine rifles yes. duct taped together with the duct tape roll hanging off the rifle. Yes. Like this is this is great. Yeah, some of those I believe were modded by people who are just more fantastic of a uh, hobbyist than myself. I don't do any of the green you that, stuff. I but, showed you that panorama of the uh, yes or Warhammer forty k orc robes. Yes, that was, those were so great. That is fantastic. I still love that. I. I think I have it saved on my phone. I'm not sure if I do or not. If not, I've it's got it on at- the computer. I've got it on a hard drive. I've got it on <laughs> at least three old phones. That image never goes away. It's, it's a, oh, one of my personal fantastic. favorites. It's just oh, so great. good. So to describe what uh, Ryan like is talking about of, here. like stack one of, of tires with just an orc gun. And the guns sticking out. out. I think one of them was a a trash can with like a slot cut out for the eyes or something. No, it's the lid is half held up. There's a there's a cardboard cutout of a space marine. Poorly colored. Poorly colored. I mean, it looks like it comes out of like a children's crayoned coloring book. Yes, but it's it's fantastic with an orc behind it. I will find this and put it, share it to our Facebook group again if I haven't shared it already. <laughs> I haven't seen it shared there, so I'm going to say you have to do this. I will. I will do this tonight, um, before I even finish editing this episode. But yeah, orcs, orcs are fantastic. Just the comedic level of. I think there all used to be like do. some orc vehicles that had uh, spoked wheels. That yeah. literally had orcs standing on, holding the wheels with a gun out. But when you turn the wheels, the orcs would turn too. Mm-hmm. This stupid shit. I love them so much. Well, because the orcs are, we find whatever we can, and whatever we find is ours. Mm-hmm. So we're going to make it work. And I love the fact that if you go reading into any of their fluff. Oh, oh boys. You know, what's you doing? I really know that who's. Who's the leader? They're all the same size. Mm-hmm. I think it's the one with the floof on his helmet. But how can you tell? They're all the same size. No one knows the leader because the leader's got to be the biggest one. Just the fact that they all have Cockney accents. And i sorry if that's an absolutely horrible Cockney accent, but it's, it's the best I got. You're making a funny voice. I won't kick you off my gaming table. <laughs> um... You ever notice, like, weird things as you matured, too? Like... Uh, like, fill in the blank. Or, like, high school Brian was all about elves. I still like elves. They're still probably my favorite race to play as. Okay. But now, older Brian, pushing too damn old for his own good. (laughs) Half-orcs, dwarves, human fighters... The art looks better. The art looks more appealing. Really? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's just very weird. 
see, uh, for myself, I will say that as I get older, like, as a kid, you know, we're probably all into that cartoony style just because it's cartoons and yeah. cartoons and yay! Exactly. But, um, you know, once you start to develop your own actual uh, sense of taste, sense of style, as it were, you know, just to know what you like, what you don't like, um, part of me, like, as a kid, like, that middle school-ish age, really got into the animes, because mm-hmm. let's face it, it was big, it was booming, it was popular at the time that I was that age. So I got into these really smooth gradations, and I was horrible at watercolors, and I discovered these magical things called Copic markers, and started a collection of those, <laughs> you know. But um, as I'm getting older again, I'm looking at that smooth art and going... I love how smooth and gradated it is, but at the same time, like, it's kind of, it's too bright. It's childish. Uh, I'm looking for things, uh, your more painterly styles, your watercolors that aren't perfect gradations. They have those chunks and bits, and you're looking at it, and you're going, that made a face, but it's not the pieces of a face, it's color in chunks that make a face, and your whole surreal art thing of you know, not necessarily melting clocks, but you know, plants growing out of people's eye sockets and the like. So, I see where you're coming, because I've gone really far away from that smooth, pretty, bright, vibrant for lack of a better animation, for lack of a better term, the animation cell. Yes, yes, you know, uh, onto your more muted tones. Yeah, I guess if I were an art professor, I would be saying the sophisticated half, and it's like not necessarily sophisticated because at the same time, if I go and I pull out some of my favorite uh, Magic the Gathering cards. They are not they are not white cards. They are not white because white is too cheerful. It's too bright. Mm-hmm. It's too perfect. And they are going to be some of your uh, black cards where it's the muted colors. It's more has a uh, an intense feeling about them. Yeah, put out a vibe. Mm-hmm. I'm more about the vibe now than the aesthetic appeal. That's a really good way of putting it. Thank you, Brian. I'm good with some words occasionally. <laughs> every so often it happens. I mean, you know, I gotta pat that ego every so often I don't need to be inside the whole time. Oh, man. You know, I almost feel guilty about my favorite aesthetics. Oh, at why? this point. Why? Because, you know... Uh, I mean, their opinions are like assholes. Everyone <laughs> now has got them and they all stink. For the, the, the generic Asian feel. Okay. And I do mean generic Asian feel, because basically if it would fit into Avatar The Last Airbender, I'd probably enjoy it. 
That's why we're sitting in the dragon room that has your Asian dragon silk print up on the wall. That's embroidery. Oh, that's embroidery? Okay. That's Chinese embroidery, and that's amazing. It is amazing. And I'm then, not poo-pooing at all. And then the gold flake herons over in the corner, and... Yeah. I've got my... I have uh, an embossed cherry blossom, like, branch tree inspired kind of similar print hanging in my own home. Yeah, no. Are you? You're, you're not saying that. You're not putting out anything that I don't look at myself and go, yeah, I like that. Three Japanese-style tea sets in my garage. One or two sets of china. My wife was like, oh, we get to get some fine china because we're grown-up adults and we're buying a house. Noritake and... Noritake, very good brand. That's, that's, that's the... That's we can, the fine china? No, that's the lesser of the two. Oh. The other one's Yukasa, I think. I would have to look that one I'd, up I'd have specifically. To go look at, I'd have to go probably. check the yeah. two, but we I'll got take your two, word for it. We got two china sets over there. The we the 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 this is somebody important's coming over for dinner. Day to day stuff is good. Yeah. And then we got the grate that has fucking sake cups. Oh nice. Okay. Yeah. Important question then. Yeah. Warm or chilled sake? Oh, I've had it both ways. It really depends on how dry it is. Because hot, dry sake is amazing. Yes, it is. But if it's got if you got something closer to like if you've got a plum wine or whatever, chilled is great. Okay. <laughs> hey, you said sake comes I had to ask. No, you're fine. I'm I'm allowed you're allowed on going to be uh, the person with bad opinions, but yeah, no, it's as I said, assholes and opinions. Damn Skippy. Uh, but, uh, like, Magic the Gathering art, uh, I can't speak so much for the box art when I was younger. I briefly got into the game in about 99 or 2000 or so. Mm -hmm. But knowing, like, it came out in 93, I love sometimes just going up and our, our game store has the back corner. They have this hand-built, gridded-out thing with card storage boxes. Each box has its own, uh, like, you know, the mirrored-in box, the, you know, the mm -hmm. Magic uh, 15 box, Magic, you know, to 2019 box, uh, you know, Ixalan, etc. Each one has their own box. Except kind of when you get to Alpha and Beta. Yeah. Because those are so hard to just, like, organize. Because there's so many in there. And mm -hmm. they're so old. But I'll sometimes go back there and just go through these cards. And, mind you, okay, 1993. That is... Ugh, over 25, 27 years ago now. We're getting real close to 30 years. Yes, we are. Three decades, Magic. Goddamn. But you go back there and you start going through the cards and, you know, they've got 
like those thumb dragged, you know, corners on mm-hmm. the cards because we were playing them as kids and whatnot. And this wasn't exactly a collectible card game yet. This was just a card game. Going to be completely honest, I hate that uh that aspect of the game. The collectible part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the reserve list can die. The reserve list can die. But, uh, opinions on that aside, that could be an episode in and of itself. We'll wait until Matt's back, because I'm sure he He has has a lot of opinions on that. Oh, I'm sure he does. Hey, Matt, are you yelling at your phone yet? (laughs) I know you listen to the episodes when you're not on. Are you yelling at your phone yet? What do you think about those reserve lists, Matt? (laughs) Tell me. If you yell really loud, I can hear you in the past. Motherfuckers! I goddamn thing. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you go through them, and they have what to me. I look at them and I go, they look like they were colored with colored pencils, like some watercolor washes here and there for smooth. But like, there's a lot of that texture. In them, to me, that says that these were done with colored pencils. And colored pencils can be a professionally done medium. Not saying anything bad about it. If you doubt me, go ahead, go to on YouTube and look up Lacree Fine Arts. And that's a dog scratching. Yes. Okay, so you were talking about yeah. Lacree Fine Arts. Yes. So, if you want to see what fine art looks like when done with colored pencils, go on YouTube, look up Lacree Fine Arts. Her voice isn't for everyone, but like skip to part of one of her videos where she's drawing something, and you will see that really well done colored pencils can look like a finished oil painting in the end. It's uh, fucking amazing. But um, when you look at these old magic cards, they have, again, like that AD&D field, only they're in full color now. Whereas AD&D was mostly just your yeah. uh, black and white ink sketches and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But you, again, get that feeling. You get that. And they feel like they're proud. Like, they are proud to be there. They're like, look at me. I'm a new game. I'm an upstart. I did <laughs> just good enough. <laughs> I, I convinced somebody that I was a good idea. <laughs> you know, and let's face it, we're almost 30 years later, and fuck yeah, it was a good idea. Yeah. But, you know, you compare that to the uh, art that you have today. I was just trying Brian earlier we were talking and I was like you know you pull out a Nyx Bloom Ancient and the difference is stunning it's mind blowing you can tell it's how big do you think the piece of art used to make the art on an alpha card was oh like, if you had to guess, 
it had to be shrunk down, DPI, sent to a printer. I mean, how the, big do you think the original piece of art for any of the Alpha cards would you imagine? I personally think they're probably just drawing on it. I want to say they're probably drawing on a landscape 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper. Yeah. Like, this is nothing grand. This is someone drawing out their idea and putting it together and, you know, coloring it in, shading it as best they can. You know, whoever their artist is, was at the time. They, like, I know the names are at the bottom of the cards yeah, nowadays. I'm not sure if they were in the alpha and beta cards. Some of them were signed, some of them were not. Yeah, so, you know, God only knows. Now, what do you think... Let's be completely honest, 90% of them are probably digitally done. So they don't have an inherent base size. They have a base DPI. Yes. Yes, they do. Which, even back then, they turned into DPI because... Oh, absolutely. And my art knowledge starts. (laughs) Go ahead, flex that art degree. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You can write home and tell your parents you didn't use it. You found a use for it at least one point in time. <laughs> Multiple points in time, just not a career. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Three months ago, mm-hmm. your supervisor had you coloring on the clock. Yeah. 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 You, yeah. you you're were right. You were a paid professional artist for that day. <laughs> You're right, I was. <laughs> if you got it, flaunt it. <laughs> ah, every so often I get away with bullshit at work and I absolutely love it. <laughs> but, um, uh, what size would the digital canvas be? To be honest, it could be almost any size. Yeah, at because this point they're because they're it manipulating it so be... much in and out zooms and what have you, it's really hard to. So the thing with that specifically is, you want it large enough so that at full size it can be promo art, promo art that you can print it as a poster, as a banner, as whatever. At the same time, you want enough of the pixels the resolution to be able to stick that when you shrink it down to its actual card size that you're not getting muddy and that's one of the things about digital art that is really important that when you create an image say you're making a five by five just for square numbers you're making a five by five image and it looked great and you know someone goes i want that as a poster and you're like, okay, so you blow it up to 25 by 25. Now it's all pixely and now weird. Now it's all blocky and looks like it was summoned from the Mega Man. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it was summoned from a Minecraft. <laughs> but it's because when you blow something up without the correct amount of pixels already given to the computer to tell it what it needs to do, what it does is it blows it up and it doesn't just make each pixel bigger it those blanks that uh, create that one to a five the computer has to make 
a guess. Yeah, it, it makes it an assumption. estimates what color goes in between these. So that's where your pixelation comes from, is the computer making its best guess of what color needs to go in between. You know, we're, we're delving deep into the art thing here, so I'm yeah. going to have to make a joke now. Okay, what and, is it? And that's got to be the the any Law & Order detective show thing. Zoom and enhance, zoom and enhance, zoom and enhance. I can tell he's a left-handed smoker by his ring on his pixel. Okay. Yep. Because it uh-huh. doesn't work that way. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work at all. Whereas, again, you have your 5x5 five five art and someone goes, Oh, I want that printed on a playing card. And you, you know, shrink it down to two by two. And now you have either eliminated, so the system just has to guess which to take out. What's worth keeping. Or it just squishes them all together and goes, well, I guess this red, orange, and this orange, we'll just put that together and you will give you the color that's in the middle. And Which that's is a brown. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 depending on saturation. Yeah. Saturation and value. But, um, but then you get muddy images. Mm-hmm. You know, just on the topic, because it actually applies, mm-hmm. our logo. Yes. That you worked on fairly well. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> you did a damn fine job. It's a damn fine logo, but it didn't take a lot of effort. The shield on it, on smaller phones or on my watch when my watch shows what I'm listening to. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That shield just blobs up. Yes, it does. Compared to everything else. <laughs> well, it's... It's serviceable. I am not complaining about our logo. Our logo is meant... It- if anyone has cracked it quite yet, is square, triangle, circle. Mm-hmm. I'll let you all think on that for, you know, a week or so and see where that and then order we'll forget of to bring shapes it up. <laughs> actually comes into play. <laughs> and we'll forget to bring it up and uh, mm-hmm. you'll wonder about this mystery forever. There are a lot of actual, like hidden meetings in our tiny ass little logo that were put in there intentionally and if everyone can find all the cookies uh get the cookies or easter eggs or what do we want to call that i don't know a little bit of all of it kind of yeah that i i don't know what the hell we do there, for there's you there's a little bit of meaning hiding hidden inside that image not like a bazillion thing but there's Let's see. A little more thought than you'd expect. So there's one meaning in the shapes. There's one meaning in symbols. There's one meaning in the overall image. There's at least five or six symbolisms hiding in that image. For a very simple image, it's got some meaning. (laughs) I was sneaky. I promise you there was absolutely no thought put into the April Fool's uh, cover art. That was just slapped together for the hell of it. Yeah, um, 
I kind of critiqued him on the colors that he used. It's to make it better for the next year's version. Next year's version is going to be a a screenshot of me sticking my tongue out at the phone, blown up to where the tongue takes up the entire image art. We're talking cellular level. They have to put up with your smacking and your licking noises and inappropriate sexy noises every so often. Anyways, they're going to make them touch your tongue. You're right. You're right. That's terrible. We won't do that to you. What? Wash your hands, folks. Wash wash your digital hands. Wash your digital minds. Ah, Brain bleach. Brain bleach. (laughs) I'm sorry I've done this all to all of you. I regret everything. (sighs) Okay. So we talked a lot about art and how it kind of can appeal and technical. Is there a case of when art goes too far? Gaming. My perfect example has got to be the New World of Darkness uh, books. They're so saturated with, especially the mage one, it's gold text on Grey's art underneath. And it just gets to where it's so busy it's hard to read. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that does happen. Just at that point, it's, in my opinion, more of an editor's. My My personal opinion with those books in particular give us plain word PDFs. (laughs) (laughs) We bought the pretty book to be pretty. Now just give us the damn writing where we can read it. <laughs> also, bah, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not as bad as my bitching earlier this evening. I wasn't going to bring that up on air in case you're embarrassed by the <laughs> situation. I'm not embarrassed. I know how cranky and old I sound sometimes. <laughs> Ah, technology sucks. I can draw on pencil and paper. I don't even need pencil. I can just take this piece of wood and burn it until I can draw with it. I will take this piece of wood. I will burn the end of it. I will make my own charcoal and I'll draw on your driveway. Ah, art. Art for the sake of art. I will draw. That's what it is. Candace is a type of orc, except instead of screaming more Daka, it's just more art. More art, more art, more art. I get to be the leader because I have the biggest art collection. I have the biggest pencil. <laughs> God, now, if we ever get to the amount of people and you make a P.O. box, someone is going to hear this episode and they're going to mail me one of those novelty, like, six foot long pencils that just says, more art, more art, or more doc. I'm going to take my kiddo to the fair again <laughs> next year when we're hopefully not quarantined. 
because I'm just going out on a limb here and saying this fall, probably not going to happen. Yeah, probably. So uh, I'll take her out to the fair, and I'll win one of those big inflatable Crayolas, and I'll take some silver Sharpie or something. (laughs) More Daka. No, you made me remember something from my childhood. (laughs) Because you specifically said one of those big Crayola crayons. So, growing up, I had a uh, coin bank that was a lime green Crayola pencil that was three feet tall at about, like, four inches around. And the plastic cap that was almost the size of a two-liter bottle. Yes! Oh, God. Now I can't remember if it was bright pink or if it was lime green. But I had one of those growing up as a child. I believe it. (laughs) It explains so much. (laughs) That and the fact that I was always trying to steal my mom's art supplies. (laughs) That explains so much. (laughs) I grew up with it. I was surrounded by it. I mean, the things rub off on people. Yeah, if you do it just right, you can have fun with it. Take a quarter and graphite pencil, and you put the quarter down on the sheet of paper. You take the graphite pencil, an old-fashioned wood wooden graphite, yeah. not, a, not a mechanical pencil. Okay. You Hold make up. you trace a circle around the quarter. Okay. You bet your friend if they can roll the quarter down their nose and make it fall in the circle. Uh-huh. They can keep the quarter. Then you make it easier for them. You take the quarter back and you make four or five more circles, and they're rolling this graphite quarter down their nose. <laughs> trying to drop it onto the circle. She got it, folks. She got it. How many people did you do this to? Usually about six or seven in a row before they'd catch on. (laughs) That's amazing! How old were you when you did this? We, We started doing the trick at about 12 and we stopped in early high school. How many people fell for it multiple times? Like three people. Four or five years running. That's fantastic. Oh my god. Yeah, that is that is 100%. You are allowed to be proud of that, sir. <laughs> this is a pure jank involved. Uh, by high school... The jank had gotten to a crazy level because we were using uh, coin palming to where we, my buddy William would use a clean quarter to roll it and drop it and roll it and drop it. And then he'd pocket it and I'd trace the circles and get the nice, you know, that that raspy edge of the quarter, get that graphite all on it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And how long did these people walk around with this just line down their nose? Usually about one class period. Aww, I was hoping somebody at least like went half the day. They got to lunch period, girls snickering at them. Usually the teacher of whatever class would call it out. <laughs> I have to go ruining my fun. Aww, too bad. Too bad. So, what art inspires you? 
Uh, Broad topic. Oh, dear God. What, what have you done? What have you done? Uh, so we're going to have to narrow this down into chunks for myself. Because we're going to go by certain topics. If you're talking classical art, then you're going to be looking at your late 1800s to early nine. 1900s. Uh, your uh, early 1900s, your French Impressionism, so your Monet, your Degas, your uh, Surratt. Um, uh, so, if you are talking about just like game art. Like anywhere from like Mega Man, just because if you couldn't tell by now, I love that fucking little blue robot. What's the pinnacle of Mega Man art? Not gameplay, not even necessarily design, <sighs> box art wise, but like, no, sprite art, like sprite art. Okay. What is the prettiest Mega Man has been can be? Oh. SNES Mega Man X1. That's a very good call. I kind of liked... Like, second to that, I'm going to say the original NES Mega Man 5. 5 was really... Ooh, hiccups was really good, but I liked Proto, uh, Pharaoh Man from 4. Okay, that's that's very fair. He, he was uh, something sexy about that character design. And I don't mean... Well, I, it was believe, clean. I believe we're both Egyptian nerds, at least. At, at least to some extent. Yeah. You can't, you can't have walked my personal journey of, of studying different religions... Without bumping into getting into uh, Irish deities are great. The, the oh, Tuata, Tuata de Danon. Uh, They've got some hard ones to pronounce. Not gonna lie. The the Norse gods are amazing. The Greeks are. and the Romans are so much fun. And then you got the like Han Dynasty Chinese gods are amazing. And have you ever gotten into like the Eastern Indian kind of gods where, you know, depending on the level of arms equals the level the, of... The Vedas, the Vedic yeah. gods. Not a lot of them. I, I dealt I've, with some of them. I have found that of all of those, because I, I find these not through religion. I go into more the mythologies of them, mm -hmm. because mythology and religion really do kind of rub elbows a lot. You ask me, we could start blurring the lines. Yeah, you it, really it, can. In a thousand years, is Spider-Man going to be seen as a mythology, or could he have had, been a cult? We are all wearing his symbols. Yeah, that's for damn sure. Just If people don't know the context, they have to draw their own. Just saying, you know, looking back at it through the lens of time. Yep, but... Um, because I love just reading up the, on the mythologies. It's really actually hard to find 
good books. Like, okay, I can find the children's version of you oh, know, yeah. the, the Arabian, the, the Southeast, yeah, Southern, Eastern, those kind of Asian Indian mm-hmm. lore. I'm, I'm trying to find a more delicate way of separating our Native American Indian than the Asian Indian lore, because worlds apart, but both absolutely fascinating. Oh, absolutely. Um, that's like, we, we mentioned Shadowrun earlier, and... Which also, I thoroughly itself has love. fantastic American Indian-inspired, just yeah, the, mythos the, art. Fantastic. The, the art from the people, for lack of better words. Uh, they, they're... The, the the American tribes art suffuses the stories and the and, and oh, the yeah. arts in there and they look amazing and then you go and you dig into the research because we're nerds and it's what we yep. do and then you start getting into like the Aztec and, and the so Mesoamericans oh. well there's a, there is a treasure trove of history and lore that if you really want to in any game you can dig into and it's even if you just go oh my god you know this feathered dragon thing oh you know, yeah what's a chattel i i'm making fun of if someone the, has never heard the name before have you ever but, seen the statue you know, yes oh that thing is so fucking gorgeous yes but you know I'm saying, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm mispronouncing in case, you know, if like a nine-year-old were to look at it and go, oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> See, trust, trust me, I don't say Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> <laughs> I murder myself. Oh, man. Yeah. Book series. Okay. I like, ur- I like urban fantasy, so okay. modern setting, mythic accoutrement <laughs> all right iron druid chronicles something like 11 books or so okay and the main character is a druid literally from before christ walked the earth nice okay okay because it's irish myth but it's also got modern myth so like he kills Spoiler alert for book three. He kills a Thor. But the Thor is a red-bearded Viking interpretation of Thor. Interesting. This is great. Continue. I was thinking of something. So, when when he's dealing with this mess, uh, first and foremost... I don't know how I would manage to have pronounced half of the words of, like, Fragara, the Answerer Sword. If I had to look at that, I don't think I could have managed it. Not good at reading Irish, Celtic, uh, Gaelic, Celtic words. So, thank God for audiobooks. But secondly, talking about images, the deities in the series, he runs around with Coyote a couple times. Like the Native American coyote from different tribes. And that's fun. The difference is there. At one point in time, he talks to 
an avatar of Christ. Looks like a black man walking around, because this is the Southern Baptist Church ideal, and it's great. He says, yeah, I like this version. It almost looks like a black buddy Christ. He says, yeah, I like this version. It's not stuck on the cross, always weeping and praying. I hate having to incarnate as one of those. Is is this a TV show that was... Okay. Book series only. All right. There is a TV show that you have reminded me of. I think it's on Netflix only. And I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. A friend of mine showed us a, a couple episodes of it. And it's this re I think it might just be the TV adaptation of this. Because at one point they take what our, our modern, our modern, just everydayness and retranslate it into these gods. Like technology is a new god. It's a new mythos. Oh, are you talking about the Neil Gaiman stuff? Um, not sure because I've seen like an episode. American Gods. Yes. Yeah, it's a Neil, based off a Neil Gaiman book series. Good yes. stuff. Yes. Good stuff. Although so, I won't lie, I've had trouble getting through the books. Oh god, one of the uh, parts that they went through was he showed us an episode where we were talking to the technology god, mm-hmm. and. He's walking through a TV store. He's walking through the TV section. And, like, time kind of stops around him. And it's I Love Lucy on the screens. And the technology god takes control of it. And is talking to him. And whoever the actress is that played the Lucy. The Lucy lookalike. Yes. It was absolutely fantastic. Because we all know, I love Lucy. We all know Lucy. Yes, we know how goofy and you know, oh no, you know the shucks and I'm, yeah. I'm not very good at it. You know, you know, kind of a mess up, a goof that she is. Yeah. But then they transform her so that she's talking to this main character as I love Lucy. And, you know, the wall of screens that normally are each playing the same thing, she'll take it and she'll connect them all so that she's just this one giant Lucy and she's getting real up and close and starts smoking this cigarette and it's still in this black and white and she's having a conversation with this main character. Oh, that sounds good. Yes, and then it just blinks back to real time and you're back and he's just staring at these TV screens and having this conversation with Lucy but it's just I love Lucy the TV show back on again. And it's fantastic. I've heard good things about the show, and I think like I, I think it's on Amazon it. Prime. Is it Amazon Prime? I, I forget so. if it's Amazon Prime or if it's a Netflix show. But, but it's yeah, good stuff. It's absolutely fantastic. Even if you just go and you watch the introduction of it, it's dark. It's gritty. It pulls you in. And your description of the Christ that they had was, you know, kind of on the same level because 
in that series, another exhibit that I saw, I'm sorry if I'm ruining this for anyone that wants to watch the series and hasn't, is a bunch of people who are crossing the border. And, you know, if you can't swim, you can't cross. And they're going through this river and one of the guys is like, fuck it, I'm going to go. I'm going to, I know I can't swim, but he's going to go anyway. He doesn't say anything, but you can tell, you know, from the way that it's portrayed, the face and camera panning, you know, and then the one person goes and they're like, you know, oh, brings them ashore and it's like, you know, oh, you can tell that one of the characters is specifically a Jesus, like, Mm -hmm. Long-haired Hispanic Jesus. <laughs> I haven't had to walk on water since I don't work at uh, unloading trucks anymore. <laughs> you know, but then Border Patrol comes along, you know, and it's, I guess, supposed to be set more of like our modern Trump wall-esque mm-hmm. future. And they just got him down and, you know, Jesus dies and they're like... You killed Jesus! And the one dude's like, down there with a gun like, Yeah, I'm an American and I just shot a guy. Like, oh, there, there you go. There's one of your American gods, violence. <laughs> oh, man. Um, what do you use to inspire you in games? Real quick. Huh. We're playing 5th edition D&D in two weeks or something. All right. Whole bullshit here. What do you use to help get your your mind in the right mindset? I create an idea of what I want to do. Do I... First off, it's serious, funny, or what? And I'll sometimes play that off of what generally... Um, race or class I'm going to be playing? I know when I'm going to go play D&D, whether I'm playing it or running it, and I've got time to build up... organic. When I've got time to build up, I find myself drawn back to one of three old animes. Really? Okay. Yep. Slayers. (laughs) I know you're going to say that. (laughs) Record of Lotus War. Okay. And Escaflone. Very pretty anime. Those three help get my brain in the right. Okay. Um. Of course, that also explains why any one of my casters turns into a gish. But <laughs> 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 uh, mine is more organic. Uh, the ideas really can come from anywhere. Generally, it's whatever I'm watching or reading. At that time, like yeah. my my monk right now, uh, very sweet, very apologetic. At the time of her creation, I was watching an anime that had a very sweet, apologetic kind of clumsy girl in it. That you know wasn't athletic, didn't have powers, but you know that the whole come in whole thing. Oh, man. I'm going to stop here before we go off into a whole other episode, because <laughs> I was about to mention music and inspiration. So, uh, maybe 
not next time, but maybe sometime in the future we'll talk about character inspiration and where it comes from. Uh huh. Sitting about a minute, tw- or hour twenty. Ah, my advice to anyone out there is get yourself some art books. And you don't have to go on the internet and pay $50 for an art book. You don't have to go and get, you know, the art of art book. You can go up to your local game shop and buy one of those 50% off monster manual things and just go browsing through those and see where people have been and look at all the old magic cards and even just fucking walk through the goddamn uh, table, like, board game aisles. Dear God, the range that you will see in the artistic styles in those. Go out and experience something pretty. (laughs) Definitely worth mentioning. If you want to get better at art, the best advice ever told to any person. Draw more. Do it. (laughs) I read a lot of webcomics. Look at... Look at the comic from yesterday versus the comic from seven years ago. They've been drawing a comic every day or twice a week or oh, whatever for seven face. years. Uh-huh. Wonder how their art got better. Hmm. Don't know. There's, there's specifically like a meme that goes around the entire art community anywhere. And it generally starts off with person holding book you know i have found it i have found the grail holy grail you know this is you know, on the you know spine of it in gold how to become a better artist anyway. open it up first page the rest of the book is empty all it just says is draw more <laughs> I've seen this drawn as a D&D style adventure comic. So, monk and rogue crawling down these, this uh, rope. Mm-hmm. Hanging upside down. Grab the scroll. This is it. This is the secret. With this, I will run perfect, better D&D games. I will be the ultimate dungeon master. Yep. It opens up the scroll and it says, run more games. Yep. We get better by doing. If there's one thing that the brand Nike has it right. Just fucking do it. Yep. The fucking is usually silent. Yeah, we're sorry. <laughs> We've revealed your secret Nike. Also, it's Nike. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Whether you're coming up from quarantine or going back down for more or hiding in place even though you're you're local government says, no, it's everything's fine, or deciding you want to go out and get your hair cut real bad, be safe out there. Also, if you can't go out there and look at something that's fucking pretty, do you know how many online uh, exhibits you can look at in multiple different uh, art museums across the world? And a lot of them for free. Yep. Go look at something pretty already. (laughs) Absolutely. Find inspiration. You don't know where it will strike, but it'll come to you. And with that, we're leaving you. uh, Kevin McLeod from Competech.com does our music. 
uh, faster does it in Dark Sea Land. Um, I can't think of anything else. Be safe, be nice, be wonderful to each other.